Okay, I'm going to tackle 10 questions from listeners on this show. I'm going to limit my answers to two minutes each so you can hear great answers about can God make a rock so big he can't lift it and other fun questions. Stay tuned. Welcome to The Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. Hi, guys. Just want to let you know that I run this podcast and I don't have a beard. It seems like most people that run men's podcasts need to have a beard. I don't have one, and uh, I just thought you needed to know that. This question comes from Jason, and it says, If you could recommend only five books for men to read, what would they be? So let me set the timer. Two minutes. And here's my recommendation in no particular order. Waking the Dead by John Eldridge. This book is so packed full of wisdom that you can implement that will transform your life. I believe that men read because they want to be transformed. They just don't want information. And so this book is is a way for you to truly press into the glory that God has put into your life, and it gives you practical steps to do that. Next book I would recommend is The Barbarian Way by Erwin McManus. This is an powerful book about how to really press into your masculine side as it relates to your faith and really truly become a spiritual barbarian uh, who does not uh, conform to the norms. The next book is called It's Your Call by Gary Barklow. I did a whole session on this with Gary Barklow. Um, Great podcast. I would recommend you check that one out. Love and Respect. If you're married out there and you're a man, uh, respect equals love. And a lot of times uh, we in a marriage are seeking uh, a better relationship, but we're not necessarily honoring the differences between men and women. Women wanting love and connection, men wanting respect and honor. And this is a great book to flesh that out for men. Um, and it's actually one of the few marriage books that I've, you know, recommend because it's so good. All right, the last one is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I believe that all men are creators made in the image of God who is a creator. And as a creator, which means you are initiating things in the world and making things, um, you have to fight and battle resistance. This book is a masterful book. It's almost like a punch to the face about, up oh, there it is, my timer's up. So, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, and uh, that's uh, a book you're definitely going to have to check out. Okay, let me go to the next question. Okay, this one is by uh, Jacquette, and it says, the question is, why do Christians go through financial difficulties? Why do Christians go through financial difficulties? Um You know, there are so many ways to answer this question. Um, One could be you don't use biblical patterns, 
And so you were going through financial difficulties for that reason. Uh, Another could be that uh, the Lord is creating a circumstance in your life that, that is calling you up to more. Sometimes financial difficulties create a uh, environment in which you have to start becoming creative, uh, back to my former uh, thing about the war of art, to create new uh, streams of income or new ways to uh, do income. Here, I'll give you an example. So uh, going into about a year ago, uh, we were missionaries, and I had to step back into sort of life as I previously knew, knew it as a uh, corporate guy in the suburbs. And um, I had a promise from the Lord just looking through Scripture about abundance. Um, And it wasn't specific to me. It was just a scriptural teaching about abundance. And I was in a job, and um, I ended up—the Lord provided a job for me after a missionary, but it wasn't— uh, it was um, it met my salary, but it actually didn't meet what I used to make. And I started to believe, Lord, you know, you have abundance for me and my family. You know, I need to seek for the more by faith. And God, by faith, uh, I sought for more, and then God provided more. So it actually, um, using those scriptural teaching, teachings, actually pushed me into more and actually pushed against my belief system that I wasn't worth, um, you know, a dime, if you will, and, and I had to be a beggar. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you do not need to be a beggar. You need to know that you are royalty and you need to pursue uh, God's best for you as the way he's made you. So that's my answer to that. Man, these two minutes go quick. I must be a wordy guy. Okay, this one uh, comes from my buddy Brett in Australia. Um, so here, here's the question. Uh, let, me, uh, let me make this a little smaller. Okay, here's the question. Uh, what, what or how do you determine to get into God's Word on a daily basis? Has it affected your life and family? Did anything change by reading the Bible daily? So let's let's tackle the first part of that question first. So uh, the question is how, what, or how did you determine to get into God's word on a daily basis? Um, with having children and having a lot going on, um, the only way I knew that I was ever going to have a dedicated time in Scripture was if I got up earlier than everybody else and got into the Bible. So right now I get up around five to six, which gives me about an hour. Uh, to be able to get into the Bible, read his word with coffee. Um, And so it's really just more of the discipline and getting up earlier than everybody so that I could make time for this before all the other demands of life came in. Um, And so the other one was, how did this affect your life and family? Did anything change? Yes. Uh, The thing that changed was that um, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, the parameters in which we live are completely and utterly different. Um, You are not the sum worth of your network, of your schooling, of your background, of your uh, pedigree, of your degree. You are a child of the king. That means that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And so when I started to read the word, I actually started to expand my life in a sense of what is possible. Because I only was living life through the lens of what's possible um, 
through my own, you know, understanding. But yet when I read scripture, it says, wow, I can believe for more. I can have a, a life that is full of abundance, a full of opportunity, full of hope. And so reading scripture transformed my life because it gave me scriptural promises to start to believe in that I didn't have access to because, I, you know, if I read the word, I didn't know I could believe for these amazing things for my children or for my wife or for myself. And so that's the answer to that. Thanks, Brett, for answering that. Okay, so uh, let's get to the next question. This one comes from Trevor, and this one's, you know, very relevant. And it basically says, is the coronavirus a sign from revelations? This is a very confusing part of the Bible to me. Um, so, uh, is it a sign from Revelations? Uh, no, I don't believe it's a sign from Revelations. I think that the coronavirus is um, just like uh, SARS or just like the bird flu. Um, sort of, we live in a fallen world, and in a fallen world, there are things that are um, out of place that are not like the kingdom of God. And so, the, I guess the way I would answer this in, in the, the scripture that's come to mind around the coronavirus is um, there's this great scripture. I'm sorry, I don't have it on me right now, but it basically says that, I think it's in Psalm 91, that we fear not the plague that destroys by day. And that, you know, God is very aware of these plagues, but I believe that as Christians, there is a a level of protection that we have and we walk in that we can be confident that God is protecting us, that we can be protected from the daily, the daily plague that destroys by, uh, by day. And so, uh, and as far as revelations go, um, I would say that uh, we're actually going to talk about that in a little bit about the end times. So that's my, that's my answer. And I got that one less than two minutes. All right. So let's go to the next one. This is from Jill. And it says, does death, does a pet's death affect you the same as a human death? And and I would say um, there's a great scripture in Proverbs that says that the righteous take care of the needs of his animals or their animals. And, uh, and I believe that, that God uh, has put in human nature the ability to love and be connected um, to animals, to nature, and to one another. And so I do believe the death of a pet can affect you the same as a, a human death. To grieve it, to be sorrowful for it, to bring it before the Lord it is all very appropriate um, for the death of a pet. And uh, my wife is an animal lover, and I can say that I have not really been much of an animal lover uh, through my life or appreciated animals as much as she did. But as I've, you know, read through Scripture and as, as, as I've been digging into sort of um, some of my Native American roots, you know, I'm coming to realize that, that you know, life that God created uh, in nature and with animal life is sacred, and we are not the only sacred thing on the planet, and that God cares about animals, and God cares about nature as much as he cares about people, and so that is what I believe, and I think it's appropriate to grieve uh, the death of a pet. 
All right, let's go to the next one. This is from uh, David Raffel. Uh, he was a, a guest on the podcast recently called Mentoring Warriors. And um, his question is, what does it take to become a Second Timothy 2-2 man? And let me read Second Timothy uh, for you. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people or reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So how do you become a man who um, believes there is weight in what you say uh, and, and it's worth passing on to others? Uh, so this, this is a hard question. And so how do you become that kind of man? I, I think of Paul and, and the confidence in which he wrote and lived. You know, he was not a perfect man. In fact, he called himself the chief of sinners. But yet he spoke with such confidence and boldness. And where did that confidence and boldness come from? It came from the commissioning of God. Now, if you are a man or a woman who is following Jesus, you have been commissioned by God. Back to the uh, comment about reading the Word of God. The Word of God infuses in you value, infuses in you worth. And, and, and there is a call of God in Scripture about us being ministers of reconciliation. The words of God that you speak are life. And you can have confidence that when you speak under the anointing, and when I say anointing, I mean dialed into your calling, dialed into how God has made you. Like for me, this is like one of the areas of anointing that I have is around fathering. When I speak about fathering, I speak with authority because I know what it's about. Not just because I'm a father, but because I've walked with God as a father, learned the lessons as a father, actually wrote a book about it, and I can speak with authority about it. So I would say that to be that kind of man, you have to know the scripture, you have to um, dial into the anointing that God has put on your life to speak, you know, topics to speak on, and then that is the thing that you confidently say, entrust to reliable men. Um, And so uh, you can entrust to those that you believe have proven they're reliable through their life. Awesome. Man, we're just like cruising. All right, so this, uh, this is a question from Rob, and it says, I have a question that I, uh, for your podcast. Why are most men content in living a life of isolation? And um, wow, man, uh, why are most men content with living a life of isolation? Uh, first off, I would answer the question saying, I don't think men are content in isolation. I agree they're in isolation, but I don't think they're the content. I think they're restless, and I think that men that are isolated are stuck in their heads. And, uh, and I would say that men that are isolated are at a disadvantage. And so one of the things that's beautiful about walking with the Lord is he wants us to bring that which is in, in darkness into the light. And the light shows uh you know, the reality of what's going on. And a lot of times men in isolation walk in darkness. There is no light, light of others and light of God on their life in what they walk in darkness in. And so therefore it, it grows in power. And so 
I think that men are isolated because they're ashamed, they're afraid, they're afraid of being exposed and what that would mean for them, or that they are not man enough to be exposed and it will destroy them. But that is all lies. You need to walk openly with other other, uh, believers, um, men to men, women to women, so that that which is in darkness, that Satan, you know, the tactic he's been using can be exposed for what it is and the weak position it is. Because when you're in community, you as an individual actually gain strength. And so I believe they walk in there because they're afraid. And much of what I talk about on this podcast is get in community, walk in the light, walk with other men, and you will find there is strength in the body of Christ in community. And, and, and it's so important. This is about being known. This is not showing up for church and listening to a teaching. This is about walking life on life so they know you and you know them. They can speak life into you and you can speak life into them. So thanks for uh, submitting that question. All right, let's go to the another one. Uh, so this one is, uh, are we in the last days and how do you know? I go to 2 Timothy 3, and it says, You must understand that in the last days there will come times of much trouble. People will love themselves and money. They will have pride and tell of all the things they have done. They will speak against God. Children and young people will not obey parents. People will not be thankful, and they will not be holy. They will not love each other, nor can get along, nor no one can get along with each other. They will tell lies about others. They will be able to keep from, um, they will not be able to keep from doing things that they know they should not do. They will be wild and want to beat and hurt those who are good. They will not stay true to their friends. They will act without thinking. They will think too much of themselves. They will love fun instead of loving God, and they will do things that make it look as if they are Christians, but they will not receive the power that is for a Christian. Uh, Keep away from such people. And the other translation of this says, um, they have a form of godliness but denying its power. And that's the answer to that question. We are in the last days because these are all evidences of uh, the last days. It is very much how it is in society today. Okay. Uh, all right. Here's, a, here's an important question that comes from Chris. It says, can God make a rock so big that he cannot lift it? Well, if God is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, then he can't make a rock that's so big that he can't lift it. Thank you, Chris, for submitting that question you make this show all the better. All right, so, <laughs> so uh, I got two more questions. I'm killing it today. I'm just like, th- uh, hopefully you're enjoying this. All right, so let's go to this question. This one's a heavy one. It's from a Corey. And he says, I've lost uh, two children to SIDS, sudden inf- infant death syndrome. How do I find the light in this darkness and keep the devil from putting thoughts in my head like God is killing my babies? First off, thank you for submitting this question. This is a very um, tough question, and um, and, uh, this is how I'll answer this. 
Um, in Psalm 116.15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints or his faithful ser- servants or the one. The Lord cares deeply. Uh, in the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. Um, I have family members that have suffered um, tragic deaths of children. And, and I can say that this is not the will of the Lord. Um, I, I'm so sorry that you have lost uh, your children in this way. And uh, I am reminded of the scripture where Jesus said um, about Lazarus. And, uh, and, and Martha came to him with tears and, um, and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. This is in uh, John 11. But even now I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, um, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Um, do you believe this? And she said, yes, I believe that you are the Christ. And, and I just want to say that um, it, it's a mystery. But I do know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And, and that uh, your babies are waiting for you in heaven. And I believe that, that God is uh, a resurrection God. And um, there is an amazing story by a family that I don't know well called the Castiles. I'm going to just keep answering this one, um, where they lost their child two, two times, and, and they were afraid of having any more children. And the Lord um, gave them the courage and the faith to have more children, and they just are about to have their sixth kid after having lost, lost many children and miscarriages. And so I just want to say that um, I don't have a, a direct answer for you other than I know the Lord is not killing your children. And I would just uh, pray that you would believe that he is the resurrection and that he is a God of life. Uh, Jesus said himself, I am the life um, and the lighted men. So uh, I just encourage you uh, by faith, keep pursuing to have children and believing for them to live. And that would be my encouragement to you. Thank you for submitting that question. Okay, the last one is uh, from Jacquette. And it is a question that says, after a job loss, how do you get your vision back? This is a great example of when circumstances are not like we want. And I've been out of work before and the feeling of nobody wants me and I have no value, and um, nobody's interested in, in me, and I have nothing to offer. You can really lose your vision. And I guess I would encourage you that with the additional time that you have as, uh, as being unemployed, take that time to the Bible. Take that additional meditative time and time that you have in a day that you might look for work or might fret or whatever, and spend more time than you may normally have in the Word of God. Because what you will find, as I said before, is that the Word of God has a way to raise our eyes 
to what is possible and what we can hope for and what your promises are. And that is the way you don't lose your vision, is that you come back to God saying, God, you know, I I set my feet on a foundation that is now gone. Is there a foundation that I could set my feet on that regardless of job, marriage, children, or any other circumstance that I walk through, I will never be shaken off this foundation because it's a foundation set on the truth of your character and the truth of your word. And I think that's the way you, you regain your vision is through the word of God and not just reading it, but trying to engage with it. God, you said in this scripture, such and such. Lord, give me the grace to believe such and such. You know, and, and really start to see, if I believe this, what would I do differently? And, and these are the kind of things that renew your vision. Um, so thank you so much, everybody, for submitting those questions. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on The Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Firestarters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. And as always, be awesome.